Andrew McCart, IFL TV in association with MTK Global. I'm here in Phoenix. With me I've got none other than Adam Booth. AKA, AKA Daddy. Daddy. Father. Yes, sir. <laughs> Let's try and keep the... <laughs> I've got to sort of break it down for people why I'm calling you Dad. Because people think this is going to be another one of them weird interviews. Is that I've been confused for you twice already in this hotel. I don't know why. Like we're both bald men. We look, we're good looking men. We've got a little bit of grey in our beard. You've got a better smile than me, but uh, that's, I'll give you a little compliment there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for you where he's going. Right, uh, well, I said, I'm just gonna, let's, let's, can we just talk straight boxing because you're a boxing man? Let's, keep, let's keep the weird shit Hit out, me. out of this. Do it, make, it a, make it a good interview, not, a good like, interview. not like a Coogan <clears throat> one. Right, not a Coogan one. Not a Coogan one. Uh, but we're here in Phoenix. You've got, I don't want to talk about New York because you've already done an outstanding interview with Coogan out in New York after McCollins fight. So we'll just keep it about Phoenix, Josh Kelly and the future. Okay, yes. let's go. Josh Kelly, good opponent at Winston Campos coming up. Uh, he, he, Josh mentioned that he's fought Josh Taylor. I was at that fight, so tricky southpaw, good southpaw. Yep. Uh, just what's your thoughts on the fight itself? Um, well, Josh been out for best part of six months, um, so I wanted someone with lively hands that can give him something to work mm -hmm. off, not just someone that's going to tuck up behind the guard and <clears throat> not try and offer anything. So um, that's what Matchroom have come up with, and here we are. Same question I asked Josh, Does it, is this a statement fight, does Josh need to go out there and put a great performance after what happened out in New York getting the draw? I mean, Josh himself said he was, that was a subpar performance from himself at Madison Square Garden back in June. So does Josh, in front of like with his own cameras, Sky Sports cameras again, does he need to sort of like make a statement and stamp his authority to end 2019? He's just got to go out and do his job, mm -hmm. do the things that he's got to do to win the fight. He knows what to do. And I don't, I've been doing this long enough to know that it's a long journey. And, and, and the journey has ups and downs and opinions and everything else. But as long as you're doing what you believe is right and you, and you, and you keep winning and you end up where you want to be under the terms that you wanted to be there, mm -hmm. then it's been a success, but it's a long journey. So I don't, look at, I don't look at it abstractly. I look at it as, we're here this week. This is the fight you got, do your job. I mean, it's going to be a shout here in Phoenix. I mean, it's a good crowd and, and whatnot, but same question again, I sort of asked. Uh, Josh, it's like I don't like asking fighters this question because I don't want them. They, some always say they don't want to look past this fight, but as a coach and as a manager and whatnot, you have to plan ahead, so to speak. You have to think about 2020 and whatnot. So the question I'm going to ask is: David Avanesian is the EBU title. Eddie Hearns mentioned a fight with him. If Josh Kelly comes through this fight uh, on Friday night, that's the fight he would like to make in 2020. Is that a fight you would like? In it's, a fight, Josh? it's a fight that I'll be speaking to Eddie about after mm -hmm. Friday. Definitely. After Friday, definitely. So there's nothing been spoken about before Friday. Of course, yeah, but yeah. but there's there's no contracts <coughs> been signed, um, and there's terms for the bout that have got to be agreed to. Yeah. And as long as they're agreed, and he's Eddie's obviously confident that they will be, then that'll happen. Josh is only ten and all. Like, like it's nine zero oh, and one. Nine zero oh, and one. Nine zero oh, and one. See, see, that's why you correct me all the time. Uh, nine zero oh, and one. He's only had ten professional fights. Uh, I mean, how how. Do you match Josh going forward? I mean, it must be tough. I think he's already proved from the Ray Robinson fight that he is mm. top 10, top 15, and, and that he really shouldn't be outside of that now. And if you look at how um, Kavalowskis gave Terence Crawford, who is the best weight mm. in the world, a competitive fight, and how Robinson and Kavalowskis matched up, and that Kavalowskis stopped 
David Avanessian. Mm -hmm. You can see that Josh, even after 10 pro fights, is at that level. Mm -hmm. And that's that's an exciting time because it means that the fights he's going to be going into are real fights, they're competitive fights, they're challenging fights. And that's what a talent like Josh needs to bring out the best in him. Thing is, the problem with being top 10 in the world, like you said, with Josh, is the welterweight divi division is probably the most talented stacked division, not just domestic in the UK, but worldwide. I mean, we could probably rattle off five names already that could arguably be top 15 in the world, eh, pound for pound. So again, <laughs> going forward, I mean, it must be tough for you to match Josh because how... F no, no, it's, the question, it's not difficult to match no. him, no, because... I think the question <clears> I wanted to ask is like, how soon do you see him in amongst the guys like Sean uh, Spencer's and uh, Thurman's Pacquiao well, you got, and whatnot? What you've got is the elite mm. the division, right? So you've got Crawford, mm -hmm. Spence, Thurman, Garcia, Pacquiao, Pacquiao, um, Porter. Porter yeah. Okay, so you've got the guys who have been established at the highest level. So there's a handful of them, like five, six of them. Then aside from them, there's the next level. And in that ne next level, you've got Avanessia, Robinson, um, uh, the the Russian that just picked up the WBA regular oh, title, Besputin. Besputin. Uh, you've got the, you've then got that level, mm -hmm. and Josh after the after the ten fights now is just about to touch that level, and there's you know there's a good fifteen fighters around that mark that I'll be looking at for Josh to fight next year, and Avanessian is one of them. Can I imagine Danny? Uh, you're loose enough. Okay. You sit next to Josh and the thing, and his manager came up to me yesterday and they asked if I was you. So I was sort of in my head thinking, like, why is he wanting to speak to Adam Biff? Danny, you're so obviously two welterweights. You've got one, he's got one, you've got one. Again, did his manager come and speak to you? No. No? No. So I wonder why he wants to speak to me then. No. <laughs> I mean, Yelusinov, great amateur. Um, he's still yet to take a step up as a pro. So he's not on the radar mm -hmm. because he's still got some ground to make up. But obviously, we've got. You know, we keep, I'm keeping my eye on everyone in the division. But as my assessment on the illusion of at the moment is that he didn't really impress for a few fights in his early career. He's now training with John David Jackson. So it'd be interesting to see how he develops because there's quite a big transition to the skill sets he used in the amateurs to what he needs to use in the pro. So uh, definitely keep my eye on him. Um, he's being patient, but he's still yet to take a step up. So he's not, he's not in front of uh, my eyesight at the moment. I want to talk about the juggernaut himself, big heavyweight. I mean, he's fighting Marco Hutt. Uh, is it out in Germany, is it? Yes. For the European heavyweight title? Yep. I mean, again, another one of your fighters who's probably in a division that's stacked. When, you've got, when you're talking about the two best divisions, not just the money divisions, but stacked divisions with talent, heavyweight divisions up there now, and the welterweight division. So, all going well for... I don't, again, don't get this fight out of the way first. All going well against Marco Hutt. When can we see Joe Joyce's name in there with Andy Ruiz's, Chisora's, Joshua, well, <coughs> but his name should be there now. Yeah. I mean, the, the fact that people don't mention him is, is is quite telling in itself because he's the type of heavyweight that people just don't want to fight. He's big, strong, heavy-handed, relentless, with a granite mm -hmm. chin. Now, who wants that type of work if you, if you if you can avoid it? And I just think it's quite convenient for people not to talk about Joe Joyce at the moment. But like I said, time shows everything. As long as he keeps doing what he's doing and he keeps winning, he, at some point he will make himself more unavoidable um, and next year should be the year that his name uh, is mentioned a lot more i don't want to mention his age but he is 32 33 i believe mm -hmm. i mean again 
do you have to push him forward a little bit quicker because of how long he stayed in the GB squad? And yes, yes, absolutely. But look, his pro debut was a ten rounder. Mm -hmm. um, he won the Commonwealth title in which fight? Was it his fourth, fourth, yeah. fourth pro fight? So you can, he's been he's been pushed right from the start. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, the next now now he's at this stage of his career. The next year is going to be the interesting one because that's the one where he's going to be fighting for the European title, looking at fighting in top ten in the world. And so the next twelve months will be a big twelve months for for Joe. I know you, Josh Kelly. I don't know you. Do you have to be at that photo shoot as well? You I'm to going to go down. You're going to go down there. So last question: How do you rate this interview? <laughs> good. No, 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 it was good. Uh, you've been interviewed by a couple of AFL guys before. Where the, where do I rank? Uh, we're going to be an interview by. Coogan and James. What about Umar? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Oh. Yari! 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 I knew you were Scottish. I knew you were my dad. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Well, Adam. That's good. I appreciate it. Thanks for this very full TV nice and fun. thanks for giving me my first interview. Thank this you. Appreciate Thanks very much. It is special. Ooh, Absolute dynamite. Sam O'Reilly from Boxing Social in association with Betfred. I'm at Frank Warren's press conference for the fight before Christmas. Delighted to be joined by Liam Williams. How are you, sir? I'm very good, thank you. How was that stare off? He's um, it was quite not intense, but he's um, a little bit bigger on you. Uh, gave, made sure you gave him the eyes there. How was that? How was how that feel? Um, do you know what it is? What it is this? What we do? And we, I used to all the stuff from, but uh, you know, he's confident. He's a bit bigger than me, but. It's not always the size size of the uh, the man the fighters. So you know, it's what you've got inside, and uh, I've, got, I've got too much. I've got too much for this guy. Yeah, you've um, you're a guy that's you've always been in fun fights, but you feel reborn at middleweight. As, as a fan watching, you seem like a different fighter. Do you feel like a new fighter? Yeah, I do. Uh, I'm, it's not just the weight. This it is the weight which plays part, but also uh, you know I've, I've been training with Domino for. Not far off two years, and um, I believe it's just giving me that new, new lease, you know, and um, just giving me a kick up the ass. To, you know, I've realised, I've realised that I actually I love boxing. You know, what I mean? when, when I had a bit of a crappy period, um, you know, it, it really got me down. So I gave myself a boot, and. Um, I'm fully motivated again. I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing, um, and every, everything's going fantastic, you know. But that gym, the famous Ingle gym, um, the training, the, the guys, the mentality is a winning mentality, and that yeah. is that the part of the reason. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, it is. And you know, people say it all the time, but I've realised that you know, being around people like that, being around other champions and people, people who are hungry to become champions. It's crazy what I can do for you. Like everywhere you look, is somebody like you know really digging in and um, really want to reach the top. So it's uh, it's fantastic. It's a good environment to be in, and 
it's definitely working for me. Definitely. Something I wanted to ask you about, being um, the British champion, you've uh, got a target on your back for, for the guys up and coming. Do you take it as a compliment or is it, can it be an insulting and aggravating sometimes when the guys that maybe aren't as well known are calling your name because they want what you have? It's a difficult one to answer because um, sometimes it can be insulting because you're like you're there, I'm your, I've had to work my way to it, you know. Um, and then it's a, it's a compliment on the other hand because you know you were the one everybody's talking about and everybody's kind of wanted to be and chase and so you know it works both ways, but sometimes I can get a bit fiery, you know, and I get get a bit uh, protective, but. Essentially, when when it comes to the crunch, we're all in this game for the same thing. We're all um, wanting to be British champion or world champion or whatever stage it is you were at. You all just wanted to be the best of, of that, you know, where you're at. So it is. I was once where some of these people are, you know, wanted to challenge for a for a British title and whatever. And I was calling people. Didn't get the fights a lot of the time. But you have to, you know, you have to show you're willing and, and, you're, and you're up for these fights. So fair play to him, good luck to him. Definitely. Um, I know you're not looking past Atlantis Fox, but have you uh, and Dom sat down and mapped out where ideally the next 12 months, what 2020 you'd like to have? Yeah, well, no, we haven't, to be honest with you, and, and we're not going to until after Saturday because I haven't got an easy task, man. Everybody knows I haven't. It's a tough fight. It's a 27 fight, it's only one loss. Been in there with Andrade. And that was against Andrade, yeah, so. You know, I know where my next six months are. I win Saturday night and I fight Andrade next year. Or for that belt at least, whether he vacates, whether he moves up. I've heard he's possibly going to move up. I haven't heard from the horse's mouth, so it's all, you know, it's all smoke. But we'll see, but I'll be fighting for a world title next year, first half. Definitely. Thank you very much for your time, Liam. Thank you for talking to Boxing Social. This is Coogan Cassius for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. Who was that? I could. Who was that? Just a couple of people. Couple of people? Yeah. Alright, bit secretive, isn't it? I'll show you after. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Williams, how are you mate? I'm good, I'm very good. Yeah? Yeah, uh, yeah a few words there with uh, Atlantes Fox. Okay, isn't it? Same, same guy across from me, so... Matter, but um, yeah, a couple of words really, nothing too personal. But you know, obviously, we both in fight more now, we're just a few days away from the fight, and you know, tensions get a bit high. And uh, I'm sure he's just excited to, to get into a fight as well. I am probably not as excited as me, but because he's going to be the one taking a beat him. But well, when he did say, actually, he said, you know, you have to kind of get yourself angry for situations, the first thing I thought of was. You don't really have to get yourself angry because, yeah, you are so a bit of an angry, aggy person yourself, really. Yeah. Especially around fight week. Yeah, that's that's what is it. That's from that's why people get 
more of that impression on me because like when I'm happy, when I'm away from the gym, if I'm off drinking beer or eating burgers, then I'm not going to be grumpy, am I? I'm not going to have cameras in my face either. So like, obviously they just see the worst side of me when I'm in fight week and I'm, you know, chomping at the bit. Mm. I'll stand back here. You've already offered me out once. Nah, yeah. Why are you joking? Um, but this is massive incentive for you, this fight, to come through this fight, to get a shot at Andrade, who's fighting Luke Keeler, actually, in Miami at the end of January. Yeah. So, um, yeah, to get kind of a route, you know where it's at, what you have to do to get to the winner of that, shall we say? Yes, um, it's fantastic for me, you know, it's, a, it's a, the carrot's been dangled and it's good motivation for me, so... Um, you know, one at a time, but I fully believe that I'm going to come through Saturday night with a good win, and we'll see what happens then, but I'd love to fight Andrade, Andrade, whatever you want to say. Um, I think, without being disrespectful to Luke Keeler, he's a good fighter. I think probably Andrade have a little bit too much for him, with respect. Um, I hope not. I'd like to see Keeler win, because you know, he's he's one of us and he's from over this side. But um and he, he's obviously with the, the same management company as me. And I believe it's it'd just be a generally easier fight to make maybe. So I don't know, but we'll see, but I couldn't care less who has the title to be honest with you, because I just I just wanna just wanna get my chance. Mm. Okay. Well listen, I know you're kinda of waiting to do a few more interviews, so Fuck off to be honest with you. You just want to go, don't you? Yeah. So, where is that? You got anything else you want to add? A little crack a smile? <laughs> 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 you miserable bastard. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm just look, listen, I'm looking forward oh, no. to Saturday you're, night. And, um, you're three days away from fight, you want to get in there and get your job yeah, done. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. And I, I believe everybody's going to be in for another standard performance and people's going to be impressed and be talking about me again. Mm, absolutely. Get the job done Saturday, and then, yeah, whatever will come job, in 2020. Yeah, sure. yeah. Good man. All right, mate. Thank you very much. Coogan Cassius here with Liam Williams, Mr. Happy, IFL TV. Nice one, mate. <laughs> Andrew McCaw, IFL TV in association with MTK Global. I'm here in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona with yeah. me. I've got the miracle man himself, Danny Jacobs. At the press conference yesterday, you were two pounds over the limit. You've got a smile on your face. <laughs> you're eating well. I'm thinking you're enjoying life at Super Middleweight 168. Hey, man, life is blissful, man. <laughs> I got no complaints whatsoever. The Super Middleweight has been treating me good. I mean, talk about me. Talk to me about Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I mean, yeah. it's a good name. 
168 for yourself. I mean, what kind of performance you, can we expect as fans on Friday night? Well, I think you can, for as far as my performance, I think you can expect a better version of me that you've been seeing in the last couple of fights. Uh, a very hydrated, very mentally focused, and just physically in shape guy who is not going to have any excuses. I'm going to go in there with a game plan. You're going to see more punches and bunches and just more of activity from me. I know a lot of fans have been disappointed in my last couple of performances. Even though I've been performing well, it hasn't been into my liking. And uh, I feel like this is my coming out party. Uh, moving up has been exceptionally well for me. Uh, training camp has been amazing. I have no complaints whatsoever. And I'm looking forward to that just transferring over to the ring and me having a great performance. You mentioned your last couple of performances have been maybe subpar, do you think? Do you think you stayed at 160 too long? Maybe a couple of fights too long? I think, it, man, uh, it's kind of hard to say, mm -hmm. but I just think just with the stipulations that were set in place with me as far as making the 60 limit and then having to succumb to mm -hmm. the, the, the next day weigh in and not being able to fully hydrate how I normally hydrate, I think those definitely played a factor in, uh, in my performance. Uh, so moving forward, I just think that no excuses whatsoever now that we don't have second day weigh-ins or that I don't have to make the 60 pound limit, I think I'll be much stronger, I'll be much wiser, I'll definitely be a lot more stronger inside that ring. So I'm excited for it. I think the fans are going to be excited as well. Well, Julio Cesar Chavez, right? Mm -hmm. He's obviously a big name, obviously, with his dad and all yeah. that sort of stuff. Do you feel like now you're in the 168 pound division that you have to make a statement against somebody like Julio? I think, you know what? And that's, I do. I, I agree, I do. And I think I have to make a statement simply because of what Chavez has been giving the boxing world lately. I think a lot of fans are looking at him as someone who doesn't take the sport serious. And they're looking for me, now that I am coming up to middleweight division, to use him maybe somewhat of an example. And to also show showcase what I have and what I've been promising the fans all along. So I do think I need to make a statement. Uh, my my main goal is to get the victory, but if I can look impressive and give these fans here in Phoenix a great show and people watching worldwide a good viewing, then uh, I think it, for the near future, my uh, as far as me in the middleweight division, it looks very well. 168 pound division is some of the cracking champions. There's some great yeah. champions in yeah. the division. How does a two-weight world champion sound to you? Danny Jacobs, a two-weight world champion. How does that sound? It you, when you amazing. hear that, how does that, how does that <laughs> make you feel? It makes me feel good and it motivates me. I think that's the biggest motivation factor because not only am I at a new weight class, but I'm in there with some heavy hitters and I'm in there with some really good guys. So that also motivates me because I want to be considered the best no matter what class, no matter what weight class I'm in. And moving up to 60, uh, 168 pounds is no different. Mm -hmm. I think um, the Caleb Smiths of the world, uh, the the all the guys. Benavidi, that, yeah, Benavidi I'm, st I'm well. still having a hard time. You remember know, remember the champions. Right, right. So it's for me. I'm just trying to get acclimated, and I think mm -hmm. Chavez is the perfect guy because he has the size. He may not have the skill set. We may not know what Chavez is going to show up, but I'm, I'm prepped for the best Chavez yet, and I'm prepped to make sure that I can give my very best. So uh, the acclimation will come in due time, and I think that um, me being up against bigger guys will 
for me, just motivate me because no more want to get hit by someone bigger. Definitely, you know? you've got to move your head a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've got to be more skillful. <laughs> uh, I spoke to Freddie Roach earlier. He said that this is, I said, what kind of fight are you expecting? He said, it's going to be a great fight. You've yeah. got Danny Jacobs, who's a boxer, Chavez, who's a fighter. I mean, do you agree with that, with the fans? Well, I don't think that I'm just a boxer. Mm -hmm. I think I well, just, can fight. yeah, <laughs> I can come and I can press the forward and I can press the fight as well and press the action. Um, so if they're expecting me just to box, I think um, they're mistaken because I have a large arsenal that I'm looking forward to displaying on full force come fight night. You said you're getting acclimatized to the 160-pound division. You don't know who the champions are yet, what mm -hmm. the names. I mentioned two. Coming from the UK, Billy Joe Saunders and Callum Smith. Yeah. I mean... You're just new at the division, mm -hmm. but when you hear these names, would you come over to the UK to fight these champions? I would love to come over. I won't. I, I don't. I mean, as far as like who I'd fight in the UK, I mean, it, obviously it makes sense to fight the world champions there. But it's always been a dream of mine to go over to the UK and, and to fight in general, whether mm -hmm. it's for a world championship or it's just a regular fight. Um, I would love that experience, um, but I feel like it's really up to my management and my team to set up exactly who we're going to fight, where we're going to fight, and things of that nature. But I would love to fight all of the guys that you just mentioned. Those are guys that are on my list as far as being able to prove myself to the world and, and, and to be considered one of the best. I have to get through those guys. Cam Smith is here. He's, he's young. Yeah, I met him. He's, yeah, he's, yeah, have you yeah, met yeah. him? I had a well, chance to meet him. He tall, is a big, big guy, yeah. Have you been sizing him up? I mean, he's he's skinny, but he's like he's still a tall guy. Yeah. So he's like linky, you know. It's, I mean, he's he's bigger than me, regardless of how you cut mm. the cake. But for me, I just think that uh, this is the perfect step in Chavez Jr. Because Chavez is a heavy guy. I think he's more heavier than a lot of guys yeah. that we just mentioned sure, as well. Yeah. So this will be a really good test for me to measure myself against the best. But skill for skill, I definitely think I'm the best in uh, the super middleweight division. How many fights do you think, obviously being that you are a former world champion, two-time world champion down at 160, do you feel that like you can maybe win against Chavez, your name can be right there as a potential opponent for these champions? Well, I guess that also depends on my performance, you know, because I've realized uh, over the last last couple of months with the promotion of this fight that people don't consider him to be one of the best or nearly mm. close so I think I have to make a statement in order to because it was kind of early on with my career too like uh, I didn't fight the who's of the who's obviously he's coming back from cancer I had to yeah. make sure I go up accordingly uh, but it was how I performed and it was how I got my victories that it was respected so I think this is no different I go in there with the mindset to win but also to look impressive to get the respect from the fans finally before I let you go and probably enjoy some food because you're banging <laughs> weight at 160 yes, sir. Um, there's 10,000 fans going to be at this arena mm. on Friday night yeah. packed house Big, big arena. What can the fans expect from you? Well, first off, I mean, I just got to give the credit to the fans for, for showing up. You know, Phoenix hasn't had a fight like this in this magnitude for some time. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm fortunate to be able to be the guy to headline and share the same ring with the guy who, with the legendary name. And I know his senior is going to be in the building as well. And senior it's had just, his last fight in that arena. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's historic, it's symbolic. And I think for me, it, it, it's very meaningful to go in there and give my very best because these fans are looking for a really great show and they're deserving of it. So I did say last question, but Patrick Day, yes. I've just seen you do the photo shoot there. You've got an absolutely beautiful robe. Thank you. With Patrick Day on the back and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Just, I, I know you're dedicating this fight to Patrick. Just speak to me a little bit about Patrick and what he's Well, I mean, he's, uh, to me, he's the perfect role model as far as what a human being should be, mm -hmm. you know, and he was a lot younger than I was and I looked up to the kid, you know, wow. he in a sense idolized me because 
of boxing and because of the way I conducted myself, but little did he know that the roles were reversed, you know, and the effects that he had on so many other people mm -hmm. speaks volumes because you won't meet one person that'll have anything negative to say about Patrick. In fact, it'll be the contrary, you know. He was a uh, an angel he was a star of light you know he mm -hmm. was everywhere he went you know he brought a light and then a positivity to that room so I just want to be able to make sure his legacy and do my part to make sure that his legacy is continued even though he already laid his foundation of course. but I know what I meant to him so I know what this means in order <clears throat> In order for me to continue doing what I'm doing, I know that this would mean something very well to his memory, to his family, because everyone knows, and it's, man, it's just, for me, it's like everyone knows, like, what I meant to Patrick, you know? And I just don't think people understand what he meant to me. So I think in doing so, in honoring him, I think that is my part in doing so because I didn't have a chance really to tell him in person exactly through and through how much he meant to me and just how he had that effect on me. I mean, I can I can tell you something right now quickly. Course, you know, yeah. um, I remember accepting him on Facebook, and uh, you know there'll be times where you know you might want to vent on certain things on Facebook mm -hmm. and you'll want to say certain things that necessarily will just be in that moment, but you don't want to do. But I always remember that Patrick Day will always be, you know, watching and be looking and, you know, he always had the utmost respect for me. So I made sure that, like, I didn't do those things. I didn't, said the, I didn't say the things that I wanted to say. And I led by example because I knew that it was guys like him that was looking up to me. And I think that was a big lesson for me and for people in general mm -hmm. because, you know, we don't really understand the magnitude that we have on people. And I think if we take a step back and just to look at the people who are watching our every move, I think we'll live a better life, we'll make better and wiser decisions, and we'll lead and love. And that's exactly who Patrick was. So he checked me a couple times, not even knowing he checked me, you know, because I just had the utmost respect for the kid because he was like an angel, man. I'm telling you, he was no. a great kid. Well, that's beautifully yeah. said, Danny. Uh, well, I won't keep you much longer. Like I said, you're probably going to go up and get some yeah, steak and I fries. Will, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not <laughs> steak and fries, but I'll definitely be eating. <laughs> Good stuff. I won't keep you much longer. Thanks Thank for this Fightful TV, it. and uh, I'll see you tomorrow at the weigh-in. Thank, Thank you, Danny. He doesn't want to, like, you know, he loves the belts. And I, I think that this is a sensible, common sense conversation that we have between the governing bodies. We've written to the IBF and, and the WBO and said, look, who goes first? You can't just hold him to ransom and say he's got to vacate one. There's a rotational system that chronologically should tell you who goes first. For me, I believe that's the IBF, but I also represent Usyk. So I've got to push for Usyk as well. And it's a, it's a bit of a messy situation. So, um, like, Joshua will defend against who he's got to defend against. At the same time, he really wants the undisputed fight. So we'll see what happens on February 22nd. But I do believe his next fight will be in April. And my gut feeling is it will be against Kubrat Lula. Do you, what, where does Usyk go from there? So Usyk, for me, the offer that we've made him is if the IBF do go first, he should fight Chisora on March the 7th. 
I, I feel like Usyk, Usyk Joshua is a mega fight, but it's not yet. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if he goes and fights Chisora, has a big heavyweight fight, I think that fight could be a monster fight at the back end of the next year. But again, what we don't want to do is, it seems like on this undisputed fight, we're always waiting for something. You know, so now we're waiting for February 27th. Were you were you surprised how buddy buddy Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury were earlier this week? I think they've both overcome adversity. I think they have that respect for each other. I mean, they listen. Tyson Fury will FaceTime me at two o'clock in the morning, screaming and shouting down the phone. No, not in a in a good way. Like, yeah, Dossa, you know, when are you going to sign a real heavyweight like me? And like that, and and he'll do the same to Joshua. And sometimes Joshua will text him and tell him he's going to knock him out, and then he'll call Joshua and like, it's just a mad crazy setup but I think there is a genuine respect for each other and I think Fury respects AJ for coming back from what he come from come what, he, what happened and beating Andy Ruiz and you can't not respect Tyson Fury for what he's come back from because I had a meeting with him at his heaviest and I just looked at him and said you will never ever fight again you know so I think they respect each other they both want to beat each other they're both desperate to fight each other and that fight will happen as AJ said a lot quicker than the Wilder fight would happen if they both won if, if Fury loses they will 100% fight at some point in their career because it's too big a fight not to and AJ's now with all the experience he's been through with a defeat and everything I think he's just about competition and a, like, he wants to test himself against Fury because he enjoyed so much the improvements that he made in the camp for Andy Ruiz and he really enjoyed the performance now some people say it wasn't as exciting as it normally was yeah, fuck it. there was a lot on the line but what there was the same people that said he couldn't box for 12 rounds same people said he had no footwork same people said that his jab weren't good enough now where are they all coming out saying no no fair enough now all they're saying is Andy Ruiz weren't in great shape well guess fucking what Andy Ruiz has never been in great shape Andy Ruiz weren't in great shape for the first fight but he's got fast hands and he can punch and he's very very dangerous so give him the credit just like we gave Ruiz the credit in the first fight Joshua had a dozen excuses why he lost on June the 1st did you hear one of them no. He refused to give one excuse. You know, people saying about, you've got knocked out sparring, panic attack. That was all bollocks. But there was a lot that happened in that camp that affected him in the fight. Right? He's never mentioned one. And he what will never mention one. I don't want to mention it because he won't mention it. Nothing that's going to make him go, oh. But things that happen, you know, he's talked about mainly about his health, where, you know, he wasn't firing on all cylinders. And maybe the team should have got together and maybe we shouldn't take that fight. Maybe. But my God, did it fucking work out well in the Does Fury call you from a block number? Or? No, no, <laughs> and, no. And do you, re what do you do? you the last time. I was in bed. It was uh -huh. about one o'clock in the morning. And I'm laying there and, like, I've got this thing where... My wife just constantly tells me, get off the phone. So when I get into bed, I roll over on one side, I'm sure you all do it, you know, and you're like, whether you're looking at Twitter or you're watching a game or something, and you're on the phone, and then all of a sudden you'll hear a noise, what was that? Woo! You know, put it under the <laughs> pillow or whatever it does. So I'm laying there, and I'm like, no, I'm actually falling asleep. Like, I'm like, Fury, FaceTime. I'm like, fuck that. You know, just turn that one on. You know, FaceTime. Like, and then a text, call me ASAP. Now I'm like, like, why? Like, I don't even really know the guy, do you know what I mean? So, what on earth could you want? Like, are you out having a beer? Like, are you just bored at home? 
are you with some mates that you want to have a laugh? Sometimes he's done it before where he's called me where he's doing an after dinner speech, you know, in front of thousands of people and he'll call me. He'll go, oh, I'll call Eddie Hearn now. You know, the next thing, so I'm thinking, do you know what, I'll leave it. Call me, call me. So I phone him back and he's just like, like I said, Eddie, you dosser. When are you going to sign a real heavyweight like me? Woo! Like this, I'm like, do you yeah. answer him? Do you say I did, I did that time. I called him back, you know, just in case he needed, I don't know, he had a flat tire or something. Needed <laughs> That's nice of you. Yeah. Um, but I, I, although we have our back, back and forth, I do have a lot of respect for Tyson Fury. I do think he's an outstanding fighter. I just feel like, and I've always felt, that AJ would beat him. But maybe I'm wrong. But let's find out. You know, it's a great time for the sport where really you've got all these heavyweights now. You've probably got six or seven heavyweights that could beat anyone on their given night. True. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm talking about Dillian White, I'm talking about Usyk. I mean, you saw a great fight between Povetkin and Hunter. Luis Ortiz is dangerous. Wilder. You know, Wild, yeah, but they're the champ, you know, Wilder, uh, Joshua, you know, even Andy Ruiz. Like, he, anyone can beat anyone. And that's what's so exciting, because it's all very well having the champions, but if they've got no competition, you know, and what if Klitschko came back? You know, someone like that. I mean, that would just be another dynamic to the division. So, um, you know, I think it's really exciting. Ruiz was talking about a third. Yeah. Is that a possibility? In time, maybe. Like, I think right now with the, with the mandatories and with the undisputed fight, I can't see how that's on the radar. But what I can see is, is that Ruiz is super exciting. And he's dangerous. Like, even there were times in that fight, although Joshua schooled him, all of a sudden, like Joshua said, you'd be in a clinch with him, he said, and he just bounced you off. And next thing, boom, 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 like back of the head, side of the head, speed. Like, Ruiz is a really good fighter. I just, I just feel that, I just feel that he got schooled. I would have preferred it. I said to Louis de Cubas, I said, you know, he was better off coming out after the fight saying, got beat by the better man. I got schooled tonight. He had the perfect game plan and he beat me. We all know that when you win the, the lottery and, you know, the next few months after that, of course you're going to go partying. Of course you're going to eat too much. Andy Ruiz has always had discipline problems. But sometimes it takes losing something to realise how much you wanted it. And just like Joshua had to bounce back from, let's be honest, humiliation at Madison Square Garden to work so hard in camp and put that game plan together and execute that game plan because he realised how much he, you know, he said to me in a build up to that fight, you know, when I gave him the belt to that press conference, I didn't want him anymore. Like, I was just like, here, take him. They're fucking heavy, you know? Like, that was his, that was his mentality. When he lost, he's like, shit. I fucking want those belts back so bad. And I bet Andy Ruiz is now thinking to himself, shit, you know, I made a mistake. Just like Joshua made a mistake, he made a mistake. And he's got to come back from that. And you will probably see him now. I bet he's in the gym. Yeah, maybe not now. Yeah, he came back this week. Because, but what a lot of fighters do is they finish their fight, they go straight back in the gym. It's whether they stay in the gym. Some stay for a day, some stay for two weeks, some stay for two months. But it'll be interesting to see what Andy Ruiz, I've, I know because I paid it in myself, he's just made a fortune that will change his life forever. Good luck to him. He's changed his family's life, he's got a couple of nice houses, he's got a few Rolls Royces, I think he's thrown in a Lamborghini Urus, you know, I think there'll be a couple of other things on the way as well. Good luck to him. Good luck to him. Eddie, you, the fight took place in Saudi Arabia. You went, you're going, you brought Logan Paul, you're building a purpose-built stadium in Miami. What's your wish list for 2020 for some new and exciting things you want to try? Um, like new to, markets? I'd like to make the Undisputed Championship. I mean, that's, a, that's something that can work in any market. I mean, I would also like to stay 
staging event in the, the Far East. Um, Where would that be? In Bird's Nest uh -huh. in China. Just be an incredible event which we're talking about at the moment. Um, I'm getting approaches from everybody in the Middle East to do fights, but right now Saudi were the ones that put the money up, they're the ones that put their trust in us. So we're looking to, de to deliver a minimum of two events at Saudi in 2020. And the difference with Saudi is it's not we want uh, Manny Pacquiao against... No, they want that. Mayweather. Yeah, what I'm saying is, it's not like they want Manny Pacquiao against, I don't know, no disrespect to Thomas DeLorme. Thomas DeLorme. But they want the biggest of the biggest. So you know, and if you get it, they've got the money for it. So that's what's exciting about Saudi is, you know that if I'm doing two shows in Saudi, they're going to be fucking monsters. Excuse my language. You know, everyone criticized you about that, and now everyone wants to go there. Every promoter every, wants... Every promoter's been trying to go to the Middle yeah. East for years. It's true. Unfortunately for us, we were the first ones that done it. We had to come back from the criticism. But you know, the great thing, Ellie, is when you're in when you're in Saudi and someone says to you, how do you feel about you're here, you know, with their human rights record, blah, blah, blah. I say to them, who are you to tell a fighter in a sport as dangerous as this, where they can and can't go to make money? This is boxing, this is prize fighting. And then the other thing I'll say is, is what are you doing here? And they say, oh, what, what? I say, well, why are you here? Well, I'm covering the fight. I say, no, no, you're here to try and get as many views as possible, sell as many newspapers as possible, get people to download as many apps as possible. So you're just as big a hypocrite as anyone else. This is a fight game. It ain't a game of tennis. It's not a game of golf. They're punching each other, trying to knock each other out. Let the fighters make their money. And you know what? When everyone went there, the experience they had was unbelievable. And Saudi Arabia got a load of problems. America's got a load of problems. Saudi's probably got more. But what they are trying to do is, is make a change. And I, I can only tell you that the people we're dealing with have a genuine interest in that, and more importantly, a genuine interest in growing the sport from the grassroots up. That's what, that's what, listen, we love making money. But if they can actually invest in the sport, try and develop things in the schools and the prisons that they're looking at, try and actually develop Saudi fighters, great. And by the way, everyone loved the experience. And by the way, they've got a load of money. And by the way, they're not going anywhere. They're going to want to get every mega fight they can in Saudi Arabia. Now, I have to ask you this. Uh, Joshua will spar Fury. Is yeah, that dangerous for Fury? Because Joshua can open up his cut. Joshua it's could... just a weird setup. Like when he said that, I was like, when are you gonna do that? Like I know his schedule. Like he's getting on holiday next week and for a month and then then he's gonna start his own camp. What's he gonna do? Fly out to Big Bear for six rounds. You know. Like and the thing is, if Tyson Fury beats Deontay Wilder, they'll probably fight each other next. So, so he's gonna learn all the secrets if he's with yeah, him. I, listen, I think for me, Joshua would go tomorrow, but I think the training team would probably say, listen. If you're fighting Pude, you know, this is who you should be sparring with. You're going to be fighting Fury. What are you doing? But Joshua, I think Joshua now has a genuine love for improvement. Like he really fell back in love with the sport in the Andy Ruiz camp. Like, and he's now feeling like, wow, I'm really improving. And he wants to keep improving. And the way you improve is to spar great fighters. And Tyson Fury is a great fighter. But here's the thing. Joshua lost and kept his coach. Yeah. Tyson Fury just let his coach go after two yeah, wins. Yeah. In a... We don't really know, do we? I mean, the only difference between that is, is Rob McCracken is an established world-class coach. Ben Davison might be a world-class coach, but we don't really know. He just had a world-class fighter, so time will tell. What we do know is Ben Davison done a great job in helping Tyson Fury get back on the, in the saddle. So you have to give him a lot of respect and praise. Obviously something happened that we don't know about. They weren't happy, and he's moving on. It's a very dangerous time to change trainers before a fight like that. You know, no team Sugar Hill's like a good, good trainer. Obviously he's trained out of Cronk Gym before, so it's the same kind of methods, but 
But then again, Fury's Fury. He's an enigma, isn't he? He's going to do whatever he's going to do in the ring. And that's what makes him so unpredictable. Give us your thoughts of uh, Luis Ortiz and a possible down-the-line match with Justin. Well, we wanted that fight. I mean, he was supposed to fight uh, Ortiz instead of Andy Ruiz when we tried to make that fight. So I think Ortiz is very good. I do feel like Ortiz is, you know, on the slide. He is, he is getting old. And he's really suffered two bad knockouts now, you know? Uh, but he's dangerous and you know you've got all those guys I just hope that the guys in the mix continue to fight each other like we just saw two top 15 top 10 guys in Hunter and Povetkin fight each other great let's see Ortiz against uh, Kaunaki let's see Dillian White against Povetkin let's see Usyk against Chisora let's see Hergovic against I don't know Gassiev or whatever like that's when you start getting a great heavyweight fight. It's not just for the world championships, but the other guy's not waiting for a shot. You know, trying to force a shot by taking these 50-50 fights. By the way, I noticed you have every Mexican superstar right now. You Do picked it? them all up. Yeah. Canelo, Chavez, Mikey, well, Ryan Garcia. Got oh, you mean on the zone? Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah, what yeah. I mean. How yeah, was that? haven't we got? What, what Mexican star haven't we got? Randy Ruiz. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that is about it, really, isn't it? Yeah. That's Good pretty spot. Good spot, Sekback. Uh, you, uh, you called it two years ago as one of your goals. Well, I think that obviously what we've seen from the subscribers base is that we have a huge amount of Hispanic subscribers and they're very loyal and you know they're very passionate. So it's no secret that you know that's one reason we're looking to bring the top Hispanic fighters to the platform is for our subscriber base. You mentioned earlier that you want to stop making like ALM guys versus DLM guys, yeah. which is crazy. Said mm -hmm. we have Triple G and Andrade fighting. Let's be honest, some part competition. Yeah. We've got Luke Miller uh, yeah. against Andrade and Zamarita versus yeah. Triple G. Those are both in-house guys. For you. What's the hold up for making? So one's Triple a mandatory, and if he don't fight Canelo, he will have to fight his mandatory. That's so that's Triple G. Uh, with with Andrade, believe it or not, Keeler is a lot better than people think. He's number two. Yeah, he's, he's number two with a WBO. But I have to be honest, I can't at the moment deliver. Andrade the mega fight that he needs I've tried the guys aren't queuing up to fight him last week or this week I made Jamal Charlo a huge offer of a one fight deal to come and fight Demetrius Andre um, on the zone he can have a multi fight he can have one fight whatever he wants but it's kind of like those guys need each other Andrade's got no one to sorry uh, uh, Charlo's got no one to fight and no one really wants to fight Andrade so you have to give Charlo all the money to say come and fight with us come and fight Demetrius Andre because really Andre's going to miss the boat in terms of his prime to have these kind of fights so you know you've got Golovkin's just coming off a fight of the year contender with Derevinchenko he's got a mandatory then he'll probably fight Canelo Demetrius does need that marquee fight but it's not through one to try it's just would you be willing to send him over if let's say Pacey yep. and Fox yep. and a matching yep. offer in some sort yep. but they yep. can't match the money I mean they just they can't do it I mean if they paid Charlo, what we're offering. I'd, like, it's what just not, not for this. Was it, was it more than Mikey's or was it less than Mikey's? Similar, similar kind of amount. Thank you, Charlo. Thanks, Eddie. Frank Warren has confirmed that this Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury rematch has a two-way rematch clause included in the contract. So whoever loses will get the option of an immediate rematch, which means that we could see. Wilder and Fury potentially fight twice in 2020. So it'll be a completion of a trilogy. Personally, I hope that don't happen. I think there are lots of other fighters out there 
who should be getting shots at a WBC world heavyweight title. Lots of different styles who could present Tyson Fury or Deontay Wilder different problems to the ones they present each other. And as I said in a recent video, it can be a little bit of a, a con game, a little bit of a con trick when you have two fighters who declare themselves the best in the division and they basically freeze everybody else out and just keep fighting each other, convincing the public that, well, everybody else is rubbish, everybody else is not on our level, so we don't need to fight anybody else other than each other. And in between fighting each other, they might fight a few puddings here and there. That's a con game. Anybody who knows boxing and anybody who is honest, sincere, genuine, impartial, you will know that that is not how you establish the true number one in the division. You don't do it that way. That's only going to fool fanboys and people who don't know no better. Those who are more experienced boxing fans and those who have some objectivity about them, they'll know that, no, you need to fight not only AJ, but you need to fight all the top contenders out there as well, not just keep on fighting each other. So I personally hope that the trilogy between Wilder and Fury doesn't happen in 2020. The next fight, cool. Fight each other in February. You know, let's see who wins that. But another time in 2020, no, 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 no. I do not want to see that whatsoever. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen just because it's in the contract. Because let's just say, for argument's sake, Tyson Fury was to get knocked out in devastating fashion in one or two rounds. He might then turn around and say, you know what? Let me not take the rematch immediately. Let me go and fight AJ. Maybe he feels like it's a less dangerous fight. Let me go fight AJ. Try and wrestle the belts off him or maybe Usek or whoever's got other belts. Let me try to wrestle belts off somebody else. Then I'll come back and fight Deontay Wilder if he still wants to party again. You know, he might decide to do that. And I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just giving you a hypothetical scenario, you know? Uh, if it was Wilder who got knocked out in devastating fashion, I'm certain that he would want an immediate rematch because he currently holds the belt. But Tyson Fury doesn't currently hold a belt, you know? So I personally think that if he was the one getting knocked out in devastating fashion, he might, might decide to go in a different direction. Uh, if it was available to him, if, if a Joshua fight for a lot of money was available, he might decide to do that. So let me know what you guys think about this in the comment section below. A trilogy between Wilder and Fury with two fights happening in 2020. Maybe some of you guys like the idea of that. Maybe some of you guys have bought into this, you know, perception, this idea that these two are the top heavyweights in the world and that all they need to do is fight each other because no other fight in the heavyweight division really matters other than these two fighting each other over and over again until the cows come home, you know. Uh, and if you're one of those people, I have got some seafront property in Birmingham to sell you if you're interested. <laughs> yeah, let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. It's happening, I'm out.